0: We hold on to your promises. We hold on to just knowing. Even before the difficulties in life come, we know that you are faithful. Your promises are true. You will not abandon us. You proved it in your son Jesus when he came, and he endured everything, the worst that this world could put against him. He endured it, and in the end, he rose again. And he proclaims to us life, even in the midst of our deepest sorrow. Help us to hold on to the truth. Help us to just cling to the promises and to know in the most difficult of days, you are faithful. You will always be faithful. You will be by our side. And we will endure in your hope and in your strength. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you go and have a seat this morning? I just can't do it anymore. I have nothing left. Between the divorce, the cancer, your mom dying and being laid off, I know it feels like you're going through a lot. <laughs> Believe me, I have been there. Just remember, when God closes a door, he opens a window. And never forget, God never gives you more than you can handle. Uh, uh, uh. I'd never said that. Oh, I've got another one if you want to take a shot. Yeah, they come as a pair. Bring it. Right? That was funny, right? And they're supposed to be, right? But what we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, it's not so funny uh, when, when you're going through it. Uh, but it's important that we talk about it and what we're doing in this whole series is talking about those cultural kind of accepted phrases and ideas, right? We call them common cultural statements that are characters of Christianity, right? They kind of parade as Christianity. The trouble is there's just no biblical truth underneath them, right? And, And they're all around us and today's a difficult one. One, because We've heard it a whole lot, right? And God will never give you more than you can handle. Is there anybody in the room that hasn't heard that? Oh, we got one. Okay, we got one guy. Thank you. Welcome back from uh, Alaska or Siberia or wherever you were, Bob. Good to have you back. But yeah, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things that is culturally uh, accepted. And the difficulty for us today is that this phrase is often spoken with all good intentions, Right? That, that the person sharing this with somebody else, you know, is, is doing it with the best of intentions. The trouble is, what we say matters. And, and what we say, especially as Christ followers, tells other people about what we believe and who God is. And so it's really important that we understand and what we share with people, especially in those most difficult of times, is based on solid, biblical truth, right? And so let's just take some time this morning and unpack this statement that says, God will never give you more than you can handle. You ready to go? Okay, here we go. Uh, It starts out with that that little phrase in there that says, God will never give you, right? God will never give you. Now think about that phrase. Communicating that phrase, saying, listen, God is never going to give you, right, makes God into kind of this cosmic giver of every experience that goes on in your life that that the source the idea the reason you're going through whatever you're going through is because God is this cosmic giver and therefore God the cosmic giver gives you anything and everything that happens in your life now remember when you're sharing the statement what is going on in that other person's life usually you're sharing the statement because they're going through a significant Challenge or struggle that they would look at and identify as bad, right? That's bad. They're going through something difficult, and they would understand this as just a bad thing in their life. And so if you say, listen, God will never give you more than you can handle, you're planting the idea in them that whatever they get, and this bad thing that they now got, the source of it, the reason they're going through it, is because God is giving it to them. The trouble is, that's just not biblical, right? That's just not the way it works. God is not the source of bad things. God allows bad things to take place in our life, but God is not the giver. He is not the source of bad things. He doesn't have to be because there's great sources for creating bad things to happen in our life, right? Other people's selfishness, our own selfishness, the simple power of evil loose in the world, all of that does an ample job of creating bad things in our lives, right? And that means they do that. God doesn't have to, right? So often, however, when something bad happens in our life, right away we want to jump to the assumption and say what? this bad thing has happened, this horrible thing I'm going through, and we ask the question and we say, God, why are you doing this? Does this happen? That's where we go, when in reality, that's just not biblically grounded, right? So your job, your employer says to you, listen, you can show up late five times a month, but if you show up late six, uh, six time in a month, You're done. Your job is over. So you go through the month, and you show up late six times. And your boss says, you're done. You're over. And what do you say? God, why are you doing this to me? Seriously. (laughs) Right? Seriously. Did God give you this bad thing in your life? No. Why did you get this bad thing in your life? Well, you achieved that all on your own. You were capable of accomplishing six times of being late for work, you see? I mean, the reality is there is ample reasons for bad things to happen in our life, and God is not the source of it. Let's look at 1 John 3. It says, but when people keep on sinning, it shows that it belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. So how long has this been going on? Since the, the beginning, right? This ample source of bad things have been going on since the beginning, but something else has also been going on, When Jesus came into the world it says but the Son of God came for this reason to destroy the works of the devil do you see the contrast going on from the beginning there's been an ample source of, of bad things being able to happen in people's life but Jesus came into the world to do what to destroy that very thing he's not here to give that very thing he is here to destroy that very thing You can look at the experience of Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. You know the story, right? The two first brothers and the first murder that takes place in the Bible. And you just kind of cut it down to verse, in Genesis 4, to this uh, simple verse. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields.' While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Who killed Abel? That would be Cain did, right? So Adam and Eve, mom and dad, hear the story, and what do you suppose they say? I mean, what do you think? And you put, they're in that situation. They just lost their son, and they say, oh, God, why did you do this? No, wrong question. Who did this? Cain did it. Cain did it. Right? Cain did it. This is the problem for us when we use the phrase and we say, God will never give you more than you can handle. We make God into the source of whatever bad thing is happening in their life, and that's just not true. That is simply just not true. John 10 says the thief comes to do what? Only to steal and kill and destroy. What's the thief's job? Only to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, there's ample coverage in the kill, steal, and destroy area. God doesn't need to fill that void. In contrast, what does God do? Jesus says he came that they may have life and have it to the full. You see the difference and the contrast? It's important what we say because it's simply not biblically true that God is the one who is the giver of the bad things that happen in our life. In fact, it's entirely the opposite, right? If we look at James 1, it affirms it, it says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. We do a good job on our own of creating difficulty. God doesn't have to. It's simply biblically not true that he is the giver of these overwhelmingly bad things uh, in our life. And by contrast, you can go to John 9 and see even though God is not the giver of these things, he allows these things. Well, why would he allow them if they're bad? Why why would God allow horrendous things to happen in our life? You go to the experience in John 9 where Jesus and his disciples are walking along and there's a blind man there. The disciples see the blind man. They understand that the source of bad things is sin. So they say, his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're, they're asking the question. Obviously, it's bad. He's born blind. Sin is the cause of that. So, who did it? Who did it? Was it his parents or was it him? What, what, what sin causes? Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Yes, sin caused the man to be blind just because that's the way the broken world works. But the outcome of the sin, the outcome of the burden, doesn't necessarily have to be all bad. Are you following? Here's this guy born blind. He is in an overwhelmingly, horrendously bad situation. And Jesus looks at the situation with a completely different viewpoint. He sees an opportunity, even in the experience of this blind man. He sees an opportunity for God to do something, even in the experience of this blind man. Maybe John 11 helped you get it better. If you go to the experience of the death of Lazarus, remember the death of Lazarus, right? So there's Lazarus, and these, this is Jesus' good friend with his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus hung out at their house. They have a great relationship. He cares deeply about them, right? Lazarus gets sick. He gets sick even to the point of dying, right? And the two sisters, they send a message to Jesus, say, Lord, your dear friend, he's very sick, But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Now that's an amazing statement. What's Jesus doing? Lazarus is sick. And ultimately, Lazarus dies, right? But when Jesus looks at the situation, he looks at a broader and bigger picture. And so he can say what? No, this is Lazarus' sickness is not gonna end in death, no, but wait a minute, he died. How can Jesus say that his experience of Lazarus is not gonna end in death when Lazarus dies? How could he say that? Because Jesus saw an opportunity for God to do something bigger in Lazarus' experience As horrible as it was, he saw that God could do something bigger. He knows the rest of the story. And so he can say, no, it's not in death. It happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God received glory from this. This is a hard thing for us. Bad things are going to happen in our life. Horrendous things are going to happen in our life. And it's difficult in that moment for us to step back from it and understand that it's those very moments where God can do something that we can't even see. That's the truth. It's hard for us in those moments to understand that in those moments of extreme difficulty, that God can look at that experience, enter into that experience, and understand that through that difficult experience, he is able to do something bigger and broader in our life than we can see in the moment. A lot of you know that when uh, I was thir- just turned 13 years old, my father was killed by a drunk driver, right? I got to tell you, when I was in the back seat uh, of my superintendent of school's car, crying my eyeballs out because I just heard that my dad was died, there was no way I could see that God was going to use that experience in my life in a bigger and broader way. But I absolutely believe to this day there's no way that if that wouldn't have happened, that I'd be up on this platform today. But that changed my whole life because God saw something bigger and broader that he could do through that experience in my life that I could see in the moment. That's the amazing thing about God. The amazing thing. So when we go into somebody's life and say, listen, God will never give you more than you can handle, we, we put God in the wrong position as the giver of bad things. He's not. And we miss the opportunity to help them see that God could do something. That God could do something. Even in this horrendous experience that they're going through. And the second phrase. So God will never give you more than. More than he can handle, right? The more than is a bothersome thing for us. Uh, because it implies that when you're telling somebody that statement you're implying that uh, for you know trying to be good trying to be helpful you're implying listen you can do this right god will give never give you more than you can handle which means conversely listen you can handle this right you can do this you can get through this you can handle that it's okay don't worry you'll get to the other side just hang in there you'll get through it you've got the energy you've got the strength you've got the power you can go ahead and do this that's what's implied right the trouble is, that's like totally wrong, <laughs> right? That is like totally wrong, right? When I was in the back of, the, of that car and somebody would tell me, listen, your dad's dead. I know it's a real pain and it's a real hurt, but you know, you can do this. You can get through this. It's like, no. No, I can't. I mean, that's the truth. The truth is all of us at different places in our life are going to go through, through things that are absolutely overwhelming for us. And they are going to hurt so deeply that we can't see in the moment how we can get through. Amen? You've been there? You just can't see how in the world can I get through that? We're not alone in that. There's some great company for us in that. If you look at 2 Corinthians, you get the Apostle Paul, all right? The great... Incredible Apostle Paul. Look what he writes to the Corinthians. We do not want want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles. So he's going to be talking about the troubles, right? Difficult, hard stuff. The troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Now look what he says. Far beyond our ability to endure. What did he just say? Man, there's no way we could handle this. It's impossible. No way, this was far beyond any strength or ability that I had to endure this, to handle this, right? He even says, so that we were despaired of life itself. That's how overwhelmed they were. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Do you get the sense this guy's going through some stuff that's too big and horrible and bad and struggling for him to handle? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's going through some really tough stuff. And he gets, I can't deal with this. I can't handle this on my own. You will go through that. You will absolutely... For us, somebody come into our lives and say, listen, God will never give you more than you can handle. No, you you will get in your life stuff that's more than you can handle because you're part of a broken world. It, it, it's going to come. And And the key for us is to understand that not only does God see a bigger picture of what he can do in that experience, but that is precisely the place where we need to be able to say what we just sang. His promises are true. He is faithful. He is with us. He is our strength. He is our hope. He is our power, and he will sustain us. That's the difference for us as Christ followers. If you look at Mark 14, Jesus got to that place. Jesus is facing the cross. He knows what's coming, right? Now, he knows bad things are going to come in his life. Why? Because he knows what other people are going to do. He knows the cross is in front of him. And so he's in Gethsemane. He's praying. He goes there with his disciples, right? He says to the disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Do you get the sense he's facing something absolutely overwhelming? More than he can handle he even goes to the Father, and he went all the an hour away, and he starts praying, Dad, verse 36, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. This is too much. It's overwhelming. I can't handle it. And yet, look where he ends up. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. What's he get to? He gets to the place where he says, Listen, I can't handle this, but what's important here is that you make it happen. Whatever is important to your will, that you bring this, you bring this to whatever outcome it needs to be. That's the place we get. When we have Christ in our life, that's the place we get. We say, yeah, you know what? I can't, I can't handle this on my own. But God, I know there's a bigger picture. I know you can work in this. I know you're faithful. I know your promises are true. And whatever I gotta go through, give me the strength to do it. Give me the strength to do it. That is the place where we experience rescue. When we get to that place, that's the place. That is the profound place where we experience rescue. Look at the Apostle Paul or uh, Elijah here in the Old Testament. Great experience in the Old Testament Kings, where Elijah the prophet he has this great victory, right? Big high moment in his life. Great victory. The only trouble is, as a result of this great victory. The king and queen of Israel put him on a death sentence, right? They want to get him, and they want to kill the guy. So it says he runs away for his life. Verse 3, he runs away for his life, right? And he runs away, and he gets totally depressed, and he gets totally, uh, just absolutely crushed, right, in his spirit. He says he came to Beersheba in Judah. He left a the servant there. He went a day's journey in the wilderness. He came to a broom brush. He sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. And look what he said. I have had what? Enough! (laughs) Do you get a sense he's in a place where he's dealing with something more than he can handle? I've had enough. Been there? I've had enough. I I can't do this. That's, That's real. I've had enough. But look what happens to Elijah when he's in that place. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. That is awesome. God intervenes in that weakest place in Elijah's life, and what does God begin to do? He begins to give him an avenue to be sustained. Get up and eat. What's cool about it, it doesn't happen just once. It happens two times. And look what happens the second time. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat. Same phrase. For the journey is what? Say it with me. Too much for you. <laughs> Do you call it right? It's too much. It's too much for you. What's implied? It's not too much for God. It's too much for you. Yes. It's not too much for God. So, he got up and he ate and he drank. Now look what happens. Strengthened by that food, right? Strengthened by the presence of God, strengthened by what God pours into his life in that moment of his greatest weakness, strengthened by what God set before him in the midst of what he cannot endure on himself. In that strength, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached horror of the mountain of God. Anybody here gone 40 days and four nights on two meals? Didn't think so, right? I don't know that I make it from breakfast and skip lunch to supper, Right? 40 days, 40 nights. What does that tell you? You're going to have times in your life where you're going to say, just like Elijah, enough. I I can't do it. And you're right. And that's okay. Because God can. Because God can. God can give you whatever it is you need to be able to sustain you through this experience. Because God sees and knows there's an opportunity in this experience for him to do something bigger and greater than you can see for yourself that's the way it works go back to paul this guy that was like man you gotta know all we went through i couldn't handle it i was unto death look at paul as he writes to the corinthians there he's he's talking about this this uh, thorn in the flesh that he has this troubling ongoing struggle he has in his life and he says three different times i beg the lord to take it away and each time he said my grace is all you need get this My power does what? Works best. Did you hear that? Not just my power works. No, my power works best. It works best in weakness. You see, it's in that very moment. It's in that place when we say, this is more than I can handle. That we give the God the opportunity to do what only God can do. We give him the opportunity to do what only God can do. And look what how Paul now receives those experiences in his life, in his life, that are overwhelming. Total change. Now he receives those experiences and he says, So now, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions. And the troubles and the places that I get more than I can handle. Because I know even before it comes. And I'm reminded when it comes. This is precisely the place that God can do his most. It's where he can do his most. His best. And he can do things bigger than we can see for ourselves in that particular moment the big question for us is Romans 8 28 it's whether we as Christ followers really believe this right and if you're not a Christ follower in the room this is the place you can get to right if you just hold on to those promises you believe God is faithful it's in those times when we go through those struggles and we say I I can't handle it. That we can just simply believe, claim, Romans uh, 8.28. And we know, boom, we know. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. We just know this. We just know it. We just know that God can use all the experiences of our life, And and when those bad things come into our life, it's not because he caused them, but he allowed them and he'll use them. And he'll use them to do something bigger than we can see for ourselves. And he's our rescue. And when we rely on him, we can get through whatever it is because he's the one who can get us through. And when it's all over, we'll be in a better and different place than we ever imagined we could be. Not because of us. But because of him, because God always works for good for those who love him. So the key phrase for us is not, listen, God will never give you more than you can handle. No, he doesn't give bad things, and yeah, you're going to have more than you can handle, believe it. No, it's this one God is always, he is always going to work in your life, and he's going to do whatever's good in the times of greatness and joy and prosperity in the times of anguish and frustration and what we got more than we can handle. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being that kind of God, that incredible God who loved us so much that you would send your son that he would endure more than he could handle. That that he would he would go through the worst of things. He would show us so clearly that you work even and even most of the time, you do your best in that place that we are just helpless and weak. Lord, we know there's folks in the room this morning who are in that place, that they got something on their plate that's just more than they can handle. But Lord, we know you can handle it. So we ask, just invade. Invade the circumstance, invade the situation. Like you gave that food to Elijah that sustained him, Just invade and sustain them. Give them a strength that goes beyond themselves and a hope that goes beyond the experience and use it all to make a witness to everybody around them that they can see and know you are God and you are great and you are loving. Father, we come to you and we ask, do such great things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.